Glad you're here. My name's Matt. If you're new, we're super thankful that you chose to be worshiping with us uh, today. We're in the middle of our sermon series called Heart of Devotion, and we're looking at some spiritual disciplines that should be evident in our lives uh, if we're going to desire and want to stay devoted to the Lord. Last week, we looked at prayer. This week, we're going to look, look at fasting. I know you guys are super pumped about that, right? Y'all are excited, like, yeah, fasting, let's go. Let's recap for just a second. Last week, we talked about prayer, right? We looked at the life of David and how his entire life was wrapped up around this rhythm of prayer. It was not on his to-do list, right? Let me uh, go to Costco. I need toilet paper. I need to pray. No, it wasn't that. It was like his life revolved around it. Right, and and he uh, experienced all kind of cultural pressures and and difficulty, even faced death. But God strengthened him and kept him connected through the power of prayer. And we looked at you know four evidences or four elements of prayer that should be uh, um, you know evident when we're praying or there when we're praying. So we talked about four things: adoration, right? That's worshiping God for who He is, right? God, thank you that you are good and you are great. You're the alpha and the omega, right? The first thing out of our mouths should be worshiping God for who he is. That should drive us to confess, right? Knowing that he's God and we're not, and we're sinners, right? That should just make us kind of, ah, oh, man, God, I need, to, I need to confess this sin before you, right? Confession, if you remember from last week, means to agree with God about your sin, right? We can't step back and say, no, I'm a good person. No, I'm good. I'm pretty good. You know, I got to take it care of. No, there's one person that's good and that is God, right? And he lines out his standards that we are to live by in scripture. And if we don't align our lives to that, guess what? That's sin. And we need to confess that. And we talked about how confession keeps us in good and right fellowship with the Lord. Next is thanksgiving, thanking God for what he's done in your life. How many of y'all have something thankful to be thankful about today? Yeah, all of us should have our hands in the air because we're sitting upright in a chair. Thank God for that. And then supplication. That's a big churchy word for we need something, right? You know, and we, we, we need to come to our father and he loves us and we are his children. And how much does our father want to supply our needs uh, according to his riches. And so today we're going to talk about fasting. All right. Now, uh, this is going to be just an abbreviated message. So we're going to kind of do a flyover uh, briefly and we may get into it um, some other time. But man, fasting is very much an overlooked or a lost art as it relates to our culture today right? We live in America. We have food everywhere. We have excess. We have blessings all the time. And so to go without seems to be, it's, it's way countercultural for sure. But fasting is a powerful, powerful tool, incredibly beneficial and profitable. All right. And just like I said last week about prayer, you know, we can't, we don't manipulate God However, when we come to him in prayer and in fasting, man, does it get God's attention. God loves a humble heart. And we're going to see that here in just a moment when we're scanning through some scripture. But working definition briefly is this. Fasting, we know what this is, voluntarily going without food or other blessings in life for a period of time for spiritual purpose. All right. If, you, if, this, if you're fasting, 
outside of a spiritual purpose, man, congratulations, that's just a diet, right? That's just starvation, right? Christian fasting is all about saying no to something in order for a spiritual purpose, okay? Tim Challies, he says this, in fasting, you are withholding from yourself something you need, food, in order to pursue something you need even more, and that is communion and fellowship with the Lord. When you scan through the Bible and take a look at fasting at large, you're going to see it primarily revolves around food, for sure, saying no to food for a period of time. But if you look at the larger idea of what fasting is, it's simply to take our eyes off of the world, off of our desires, off of our physical wants and needs, and place our eyes completely and utterly on Jesus. That's what it is. That's what it's all about. I'll never forget, I was a young kid, and uh, I forget how old I was, but I think we were with the family. I remember this. Uh, I remember the conversation like it was yesterday. I just don't remember where we were at. I think we were at Six Flags or at the mall or somewhere, but we were just having a family outing one day, and uh, I, I believe it was Six Flags, and so we were kind of there riding rides, hanging out, and I walked by the food vendors as a kid, and I'm like, oh man, I'm hungry. I want some food. I want a funnel cake. Dad, can I get a funnel cake? I need a funnel cake, right, in my life. And so uh, my dad said, no, you know, we're not, we're not going to buy a funnel cake today. We just ate, and we're going to go eat here in a little bit. And, uh, you know, as a little kid, that, that didn't fly with me, okay? That, I didn't like that. So I began to ask again and, and again. And my dad's graciously like, no, nah, man, we're, we're, not gonna get, we're not getting a funnel cake today. It's not what we're here for. And of course, I'm going to start slowly throwing a tantrum, right? I'm, I'm kind of getting really upset and it's ruining the whole day. It's like, I need, a, I need a funnel cake, Dad. Finally, he looks over to me and he says, Matt, tell your stomach to shut up. <laughs> I was like, it broke my brain for a second. I was like, this is abuse, man. This, you know, this is not right. You know, what are you saying? You know, and so... Um, that conversation is seared in my mind because that became later a deeper conversation as my dad was discipling me around the idea of self-control, around the idea of fasting and saying no, and not being uh, controlled by every waking feeling or desire, right? That I'm in control of that, it's not controlling me. That my feelings and my thoughts and even my stomach is actually subject to God. He's what we need above food, and he is the source of all things that we have in life. And if you think about physical hunger for just a minute, it's really interesting. It's present every single day, is it not? If you're in here right now and you didn't eat a good enough breakfast, you're probably hungry right now. Like right now, you're, you're hungry, and you're like, yeah, I'm hungry, Matt. Wrap this thing up. I need a Chick-fil-A sandwich. Oh, it's closed on Sunday. You can't get it. So, Or a Bojangles biscuit, whatever it is you want, man. You know, you're thinking about that. Hunger is always present with us. And if you think about that for a minute, life is fragile, is it not? Natural law is that we need food, and if we don't have food, what happens? We die. Our bodies must consume calories and nutri nutrients. It burns it up and it needs more and it needs more. Food is at best a temporary fix. Three hours later, we're hungry again, right? And so hunger honestly should drive us to worship God knowing that, man, 
this, this body's frail. We need him. Eternal and spiritual things are much more important than the temporal things. God, we need you. We need you. And understanding that he's the one that ultimately satisfies us. A couple of things I want to point out um, before we turn it over to this interview is, number one, you know, just kind of giving you some handles on this, is Jesus expects believers to fast and to, to pray and to fast. He expects it. In Matthew 6 and in Matthew 9, I'm gonna, I just want to read these briefly to you. This is what he says. Jesus, this is the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is teaching this. This is the kingdom of God, right? The values of the kingdom of God. And when you pray, right? Not if you pray, hey, I wish you would pray. No, when you pray, right? It's an expectation on us. Do not be like the hypocrites. So he's saying, when you pray, don't do it this way. For they love to pray and stand in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Like I said, God expects us to pray. He wants us to come before him. There's a right way to do it and there's a wrong way to do it. You know, do you know that there are right actions with wrong motives and that does not please God? The right actions with the wrong heart, it doesn't impress him. It goes on to say in verse six, but when you pray, again, go into your room, close the door, pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Skipping on down just a little bit, now he connects fasting to prayer. And when you fast, again, not if you fast, when you do it, don't look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces and show others that they're fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put on your head and wash, uh, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your father who is unseen and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Humility, humility. That's what fasting does. Humbly becoming before, coming before the Lord. The other passage uh, to get at here, Jesus is talking to Matthew 9. It says this, Then the disciples of John came to him saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The day, is, uh, the day will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast, right? So if you're at a wedding party, and the bride and the groom are there, man, it's a party. Dude, we're hanging out. We're eating food, man, right? We're doing the conga line, whatever it is in the reception, right? It's not the time to fast. Jesus has ascended to the Father, right? Now is the time to fast, Fasting is for us, and it's, and it's this longing, and it's a desire to be with him. That's what fasting is, 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 it kind of shows. It's an acknowledgement that we need him. And like, Jesus, we're away from you. God, we want you. God, we desire you. Few examples in the Old Testament I I, I want to hit and, and and you can go through there. Fasting is actually mentioned a lot in the Bible, um, but there, there are specific reasons why we can fast. Yes, we're doing it to commune and get close to God, but we'll see here uh, that there are specific reasons uh, that people fast. And, and the first one is to humble yourself, right? Fasting humbles yourself. There's this word um, in the Old Testament for fasting. Ana means to deny yourself, to afflict, to weaken, to humble, to bow down. 
That's what God called his people to in Leviticus 23 for the day of atonement. He's saying, humble yourself fast. You know, one of the biggest hindrances to our prayer life and our fellowship with God is the attitude of pride. I got this under control, God. I know what's right, God. I'm, I, I provide for my, you just take a step back, God. God, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And fasting is just an amazing tool to do that. If you remember last week, we looked at Daniel, and uh, we kind of looked at multiple examples through the book of Daniel. In Daniel chapter 9, verse 3, we talked about this passage um, last week, but you'll see fasting here. Then I turned my face to the Lord, God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. That's humility. That's humbling himself. Here's what's super cool, though. Fast forward to Daniel chapter 10. A little while later, we see God answered his prayer. Fear not, Daniel, for, for the first day that you set your heart to understanding and what? Humbled yourself before your God. Your words have been heard. I love that so very much. God responds to the humility of people. And he answered Daniel's prayer. The other, uh, another idea that we see in the Old Testament is that we, it, we, when we need to seek God for help, Seek help from God. Ezra, in the book of Ezra, um, you may not have read that or study that much. It's kind of a, you know, a, a prophet um, passage uh, book in the Old Testament. And so really quick, Ezra is a priest and he's leading the people out of captivity in Babylon back to Judah, back to Jerusalem. And it's like the third wave of people leaving right? And we see him institute a fast. And this is what it says. And then I proclaimed a fast there at the river Ahava. Ahava? Yes, Ahava. That we might humble ourselves. Again, that word, right? We see that before our God to seek from him a safe journey for ourselves, our children, and all our goods. Next verse, for I was ashamed to ask the king for a band of soldiers and horsemen to protect us against the enemy on the way since we had told the king the hand of our God is for the good on all who seek him and the power of his wrath is against all who forsake them. So we fasted and implored our God for this and he listened to our entreaty. It's powerful. So if you, if you need help from the Lord, specific help, man, fasting is a great tool to, uh, to utilize there. Next uh, passage in, in the Old Testament that we see uh, people using fasting for is for repentance of sin. Repentance of sin. And Jonah, uh, really excited about that because we're going to do a book study next. We're going to go through the book of Jonah. Uh, super pumped about that. But we know the story of Jonah. Uh, you know, Nineveh is this really wicked city, terrible, terrible city. Uh, God raises up Jonah to go and tell them, hey, you guys are wicked and evil, and if you don't stop, we're, you're going to die, essentially is what it is. And so here we see it, right? Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloths from the greatest of them to the least of them. Skip on down to verse 10. And when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented the disaster 
that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. Man, if you're dealing with some sin in your life that you just can't seem to kick, right? There's something in your life that's habitual, and you've prayed about it. Man, I'm like, I, 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 every night I ask, confess to the Lord, I just can't seem to, 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 to take care of it. Man, fasting is an incredible tool for you to utilize there. And then this next one is in the New Testament, and, and it's in Acts 13. You could just write that down if you want. But man, if you need to seek God's will on something for your life, fasting is a great way of doing that. This whole church fasted, and the Holy Spirit led them to their next action. The whole church fasted. God, show me. Lead us. Tell us what you want. And the Holy Spirit did it. Showed them exactly what it was that they needed to do. A few tips on fasting. Um, you know, we're right in the middle of 21 days of prayer and fasting. Y'all know that. We're kicking it off today. And uh, we talked about the map that's outside over there. So after service, I want you to go out there and mark it up where you're going to be prayer walking. We talked about that last week. But I also want Southcrest to fast for these 21 days. Really, really do. I want you to try it. I want you to give it a go. So here's a few tips. Number one, just all check your motives. Make sure it's all from humility for the right reasons, not for some selfish gain or for some works-based righteousness. Like I'm going to fast so I can earn my salvation with God. No, it's not about that. It's all about humbling yourself before God. Number two, start small. Start really small. Don't feel like you got to like do a 40-day fast in the wilderness like Jesus did. It's not recommended. I'm not going to recommend that. All right. So start small. Here's, here's the, the simple challenge to all of us for the next 21 days. Fast one meal every day and pray during that one hour. So if the morning time is good for that or lunch might be better or dinner, all of us in here, we can fast one meal and pray during that, that one hour. Then go to two meals. Then maybe try a 24-hour period, right? And just let, allow it to be a part of your rhythm of life moving forward. Next one is plan your fast, right? Plan it out. This is not just starvation, right? It's not just about starvation. It's all about prayer and connecting to the Lord and meditation. Know what you're doing. Write it out. Why am I, pre why am I fasting for 21 days? What is it that I'm seeking from the Lord? I want to go grow deeper in, in communion with him. Whatever that is, plan that out and be specific. Try different fasts. So sometimes people can't physically go without food for a long period of time for medical reasons and such. Maybe there are other things you can do, a partial fast or an entertainment fast or anything in your life that you need to give up that's just taking too much attention right now that you can say, you know what, I'm going to put that aside for 21 days. And I'm going to spend that time in prayer. And uh, the other thing is to serve others. Serve others in, in fasting. There's a whole thing on Isaiah that's amazing about that. But maybe instead of buying your lunch, you buy somebody else's lunch. You know, you pay for them for 21 days. Um, figure out ways to serve people during the fast, all right? So that's the challenge today.